0: Hello and welcome to Red Nets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cup. A nervy one 0 win. We're going to dissect against West Ham here today, and helping us do that, of course, we have, as usual, Peter Kenny Jones, and we've got a special guest here today uh, Doug Horn from the Eat Dugout Football Channel. How are you doing, Doug?
1: Yeah, good. Thank you, Farrell. Thank you very much for asking me this morning. Nice well, yeah, your debut. Yeah, I literally got yours this morning, and. Uh, I, I was like, I've, I'm not doing anything. So it was a no brainer. So thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure.
0: No, no, you're very welcome. Glad to have you on board. And while I've got you, I'm just going to get your thoughts on that uh, 1-0 win because I thought it, it pretty much sort of epitomized the exact kind of win you sort of look back on at the end of the season. You know, if, you know, if we do, we, we just turn out, you know, we just pip City to the title. The, this is going to be one of those wins that you sort of look back on and go, this was absolutely critical.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we didn't play well, but we managed to get that early goal in the, you know, the first half. Man, Manny, very, very good finish it was, as well. the our call again. I was like, oh no, are we actually going to get another one chopped off? But thankfully, not. And uh, yeah, it's all about getting the results at the end of the day. If you want to, you know, win, win titles, and uh, I think a one-nil win. We don't do them very often. It's very, very good to do a one no win. and uh, we we played ugly, but we got the result.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, critical, critical to that was a uh, Trent Alexander Arnold got the assist, uh, had a, a, some digging from, uh, Robertson after the match, but whether he intended it as a shot, but you know, at the end of the day, they count it was critical. Um, I want to also focus on the moment before that, because uh, it was Kite's ball initially, uh, to Trent that sort of led to that moment. I think, uh, throughout the match, I think Kite Quite a good game Didn't he Pete You know Is there an argument To say that he's Quietly enjoying The best season Of his Liverpool career So far
2: Yeah but It's probably not a bad show To be fair Yeah I think obviously He's he's benefited a lot From Thiago being injured Which obviously know, No one wanted to see And probably him included But Obviously got the nods For the, the cup final And then He's he's in again Against West Ham Obviously there were Two massive games for us And you know He impressed him both you know, it's, I think maybe when we watched them we expected they were going to be someone who, who beat five men and scored a goal and although he's definitely got it in his locker I think he's probably proven to be a bit more you know maybe in the the and mould of what he's been doing of like you know closing down put tackles in keeping the ball moving as you say you know, it was the the pass before the pass to create the goal is probably the one that gets the least attention isn't it and that's what he did against West Ham and yeah I don't know I, I've been impressed with him and it's probably got his place nailed down and we can't rely on tiago unfortunately so if you're the fourth best midfielder in this team you'll get a lot of games as well so it's not a bad place for him to be in and you know he's got to put off kirk jones harvey elliott Oxley chain when you know there's a lot of competition in there so if he can be the best of the rest he'll he'll play plenty of games this season you mentioned uh the word there competition
0: obviously this season uh above all seasons for Liverpool, the depth has really shone through for us. You know, as you said, you know, Abikaita coming in, been absolutely critical for us. And uh, looks, you know, if he can remain fit, I think we'll remain critical for the rest of the season. And um, going back to Trent Alexander-Arnold, because um, obviously, we know, we'll remember that assist uh, uh, for Sadio Mane's opener against West Ham, the winning goal. Um, but of course, one other moment that sort of stuck out in the game was his goal line clearance um, after Pablo Fornals had lobbed Alisson. Um, what did you make of that, Doug?
1: Yeah, I thought for all the all the world that that was going to, you know, nestle in the back of the net. Fornells does everything right. It's just that it doesn't have enough pace on it to beat Alisson. But Trent, very, very good goal line clearance. And then I think there was another, another um, goal line sort of clearance after that um, as well. But it was nervy, nervy moments. West Ham played really, really well. And, you know, they were the only team that could potentially... Do the double over us. So it was it was nice to get that that victory, knowing that we had a very, very difficult game against a very good side.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, it, it strikes me as a bit a bit bizarre because you know you, you look at sort of those obvious sort of moments of quality defending um from Trent, and obviously he does a lot more than sort of goal line clearances, but we're, we're still talking seemingly about his defensive capabilities, we all accept he's a world-class uh, fullback going forward. And I think many Liverpool fans would also argue he's a world-class defender. Um, not many would agree with us, however, in that department piece. And uh, certainly Gabriel Agbonlahor commented on this after uh, Chelsea's game. And he was talking about um, Rhys James's sort of level of defending, saying he would rather have Rhys James as a defender than Trent Alexander-Arnold. Although he did grudgingly admit, of course, that Trent is better going forward but I mean it astonishes me that we're still discussing Trent's defensive abilities and I mean
2: where has this myth like sprung from
1: I I have
2: no idea yeah it's it's a joke and it really obviously comes in as a a youngster into the team and basically a position it wasn't his you know he he was sent to mid when and came through so for him to be putting it right back, he's basically learning the biggest games possible, I think, and everyone looks back to that United game however many years ago that is, three, four years probably, and that's put against him, but I just think, you know, obviously, he, he's better going forward, but that doesn't mean he's a bad defender. They don't have to go hand in hand. And It's like the, when you go back to, who do you prefer, Messi or Ronaldo? If you say he's good going forward, it, it doesn't mean he's terrible going back. It just means he's better at attacking. It seems to me that you can't have one without the other. And you know, he 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 proved against West Ham with that goal line clearance, as you say, how, how good he was. And no, I don't think anyone in, in watching in a Liverpool point of view would say that they that they worried too much about him. He he gets tested a lot, but he doesn't have any cover on the right wing. Endo dropped in when he can, but it's, you know, a lot of the time it's one-on-one defending, It's hard. And for what he does going forward, for him to be as good as he is going back, you know, we're more than happy to have him. And as Klopp says, he wouldn't be in his team if he couldn't defend. It's, we, we've definitely got enough money, enough options, whatever, to get someone else if that's all he had. So, you know, if he's not appreciated by England and every other fan, who cares really he's playing for us. And I think, he's probably of the same opinion. He'll happily just play for Liverpool for the rest of his career and everyone thinks he's terrible. He'll look at his winner's medals when he's retired and he'll have his own opinion. Absolutely. I mean, you're spot on there with Klopp's um, comments, as latest
0: you know, presser sort of talking about Trent's defensive abilities. I mean, we've seen him be ruthless uh, when it comes to the fullback position. I mean, we've seen him be ruthless with every single part of this the, the squad. I mean, just look at sort of the, the upgrade on Alberto Moreno, probably, you know, best epitomizes that typical <laughs> fullback of, you know, decent going forward, but defensively a bit suspect. Uh, I, I mean... Doug, we spoke about this previously um, with Mick Moran of the Coppite, Um, because he, he's convinced this all sort of stems from um, that game against United, where I think Rashford uh, made Trent's life a, a bit a bit of hell. Um, yes. It is, admittedly, that sort of one game. which you probably argue is one of the weakest in Trent's career? But beyond that, there doesn't seem to be many moments that I can remember where where Trent has. Trent's defending has been particularly suspect.
1: No, I think I think it's a, a lazy, lazy argument that people say, oh, Trent can't defend. But the thing is, for me, he's a very, very good player. No, no doubt about it. I think he is more sort of a right-sided midfielder sort of kind of player. But I think this whole thing about Trent can't defend is a complete and utter argument. Um I can't remember having a one bad game evertons and you know obviously I think it was the 16th um assist this season in all comps which is mental when you when you think about uh, when you think about trent but uh, it's just a lazy lazy argument and when you get Parsons with all he's uh, like you had you had many many fans comparing uh one to Trent you've had Reese James being compared to to Trent you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold is is probably the best right back in the Premier League. Probably the, the best right back, probably in world football right now. the The amount of assists that him and Robertson have done this um the the the, la- the last couple of seasons has just been extraordinary. So people are trying to get to their level.
0: Absolutely, no, we're very lucky to have, and as you mentioned, their sixteen assists at this stage of the season to beat his prior total. Plenty, plenty of games left um to better that and you know we'll be wishing him all the best of luck with that um elsewhere in the league of course uh manchester city made an absolute mockery um, of their lead, uh, city rivals in manchester united beating them to the tune of four goals with only one goal in reply at the etihad it restores a six-point lead over us of course um everyone needs to remember we're only realistically three points behind them provided we win our game in hand um it does raise certain questions about the title race, though, Pete. Um, in particular, if you look at sort of our records recently in terms of um, wins, I mean, looking at the last 15 games specifically in the league uh, between both sides, uh, City have won 13 out of 15. They've drawn a lost one uh, against Southampton and Tottenham, respectively. On our end, we've won 12, um, drawn two draws, a loss. Um, pretty sort of impressive. And I suppose my first question for you is, you know, are we... You know, it, I struggle to use the word rivalry because they're not a traditional rivals um, for obvious reasons. Um, but is this one of the more sort of exciting modern rivalries we are witnessing?
2: Obviously it is, you know, I think Klopp's just said it then, it's, it's pre-inter pre- press conference and, you know, it's... It's ridiculous how good both teams are, you know, that they're pushing each other constantly. And, and as Klopp just said, you know, they put, they wouldn't be hitting the nineties points each season if they didn't have the other one, but even down the next so obviously it gets the best out of both of them, but one of them's gonna have to lose. And I think it's you know, it's been us more and it's been City, unfortunately, for the past few years. But you know, both of them deserve to win a league title, but you both can't do it. So you've just got to win every single game. That's why the pressure is ridiculous and you know you think watching the hard but you can imagine being any of those players 1-0 against West Ham 10 minutes to go you're just dying that your pass doesn't get intercepted or go anywhere because you know any tiny slip up even a draw now because hands the other team <laughs> the delete title so it's just it's high pressure situation and all we can hope is that by us being the ones chasing, maybe there's a little bit less pressure on us. Six point gap probably is easier again, rather than knowing we have to win and all that. Obviously, the, the games will catch up, but having a little bit of a buffer in the games in hand probably takes a little bit of pressure off us. And it's just blow for blow, isn't it? You've just got to win every single match, and it's exciting for the neutral, probably not the United fans, because you know they're getting battered by both of us, and it's both their biggest rivals. But it's. The biggest rivalry that you can have with you know a club that probably you, you don't really hate them in the sense that you know they're, they're a bit of an empty club maybe you'd rather hate a United or whatever Everton they're probably easier to hate for us but you know it's it's just an interesting rivalry probably a bit like it was with Chelsea although we weren't even as close we just seemed to play them in every cup competition when it was Rafa and Mourinho so yeah it's just we'll just have to see what happens with the rest of the season and as long as Guardiola and Klopp are there it's going to be like this I think and. You know just fingers crossed we can get a couple more trophies over them and you know we we don't come out with just a one league and one champions league under Klopp and there's plenty of opportunity for us to do that.
0: Absolutely. I mean we've already got the one piece of silverware um in the bag and you know going forward it's it, it's looking interesting. You know, you get past Inter Milan fingers crossed you, you then you're into the quarterfinals, get past even Nottingham Forest or Huddersfield, We'll get, get onto that of course. Um but um I mean with both sides sort of keeping it pretty close and we're you know we're in the sort of the not quite the dying stages of the second half of the season Doug um is it looking sort of increasingly likely that um this title race comes down to that sort of final match between the suicides at the Etihad or do you think can you foresee a few more sort of twists and turns?
1: I still think there's going to be twists and turns um you know I think Wolves are proved that they've been very very good at home I know they've kind of lost their way ever so slightly but we we struggled at Wolves and City have still got to go to like places like Palace who made it very very difficult for us Wolves um, as well so it's not over by any of the imagination and I think if you look at our next I mean our 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 march is very very difficult uh, by any any stretch of the imagination anyway I think we've got well, we've got Inter, we've got Brighton, uh, we've got Arsenal, and then all, you know we've got either Nottingham Forest or, or Huddersfield. So, you know, if we win our game in hand. It's down to three points. Um, it's j- we just need to focus on ourselves. We need to focus on ourselves. Don't worry what City are doing. If they slip up, then absolutely fantastic. I was torn yesterday. I, I, I didn't want a Man United win. I didn't want a City win. I just wanted a draw. I think a draw would have been a much better result because uh, you, you don't want United getting talked for you don't want City gaining on us either so but obviously that didn't happen because Man United just failed to turn up um, so I, I all I'll say is just focus on ourselves just focus on what we're doing and again if City slip up then fantastic
0: Certainly, if Klopp has his way, we'll be absolutely focusing on ourselves one game at a time. That has been the mantra uh, throughout the Klopp reign and long may that continue. It's brought us plenty of success um, so far. Uh, Moving away from the Premier League, of course, we've got a big fixture against Inter Milan, the second leg of the round of 16. and We're welcoming um, our Italian visitors uh, with a 2-0 win so far. what are your thoughts on, on this one, sort of, Pete? Because, I mean, their form's been a bit iffy since uh, we won at the San Siro. They've had a win, a draw and a loss. The win coming as their most recent fixture. They beat uh, the bottom-placed Serie A team to the tune of five goals. Uh, Lotaro Martinez got a hat-trick. Um, do you reckon this is going to be sort of a similar vibe to the San Siro with the subs come in handy? Or is it going to be another sort of strong and uh, quick start to the first half?
2: You know, they're going to be full of confidence. They've just scored five goals now. You said obviously the results have been a bit shaky, but you wouldn't want anything more than winning 5 0. And, you know, your striker has been in the goal drought getting a hat trick, the other one get, grabbing a couple of goals. It's, you know, exactly the confidence you'd need to go in and, and try and score a couple of goals. So it's going to be a test for us. But, you know, hopefully we can just get an early one and kill them. That would be the, the, the best way to do it. And I think that'll be the, the mantra, that is, as we always do, really. You know, I think on a big European night, like, you know, the crowd will be up for it. Think it'd be stupid not to say just go and try and score a goal. And obviously, if they come out and get one next it, to the pitch, bit makes it heavy. Still think you know the worst bit you can do about these probably having the lead. It's in the back of your head. If we just can't play it in a normal game, we can probably beat them anyway. So I think that's the the best way to treat it. And I'm sure that's what, what Klopp will be saying. Or you know, we have got a two goal buffer, but let's just act like it's nil nil again and try and get an early lead, and then hopefully they'll all be already going home in the Reds before it's half time. And that's the best way we can do it. And the subs, hopefully, rather than them to change the game, will be to rest players. And I look forward to, you know, it's going to be a mad rest of the season, never mind the rest of the month. But, yeah, it's just all about probably just getting our first goal and fingers crossed we should be able to do it. Although they, they they were a good test against us. They're the away team this time, so it's up to us to stamp our mark on it. And, yeah, fingers crossed it's it's enough to get in the quarters. Do you think it'll be a, a tougher
0: test uh, going into, into this second leg, Doug?
1: I, I think it might be. I think it will be. But uh, I think if Vidal if 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 Adal if Vidal starts, then I think he's probably one that you could probably say wind him up because he'll just he'll just kick somebody uh, uh, at his pace. But yeah, I think Inter Milan winning five you know, and all was massive for them. Um, obviously, they're going for their their league title with um, AC Milan um, uh, as well. But I do expect it to be a tough ask uh, for them because they're having to come to us. They're having to try and score two. They're having to try and score maybe you know three. You know if we get an early one, then you know they have to get three. They have to get you know, and then they probably have to get four um, as well. I'm, I'm with Pete. If we can get an early goal, kill them off, then you, we can maybe go for two or three. I think I think it's going to be a very very good game. I'm looking forward to it um, uh, as well. And I actually do think that if we get the early goal, I think the floodgates could potentially open.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we, we mentioned earlier sort of looking at silverware and our chances of getting silverware. In. And it's feasible that by the end of March, Pete, you know, if we get past Inter, we'll be into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, get past one of the likes of Huddersfield and Notting Forest, we'll be into then the semi finals of the FA Cup. And you can almost start tasting the silverware.
2: Yeah, well, that's the dream, isn't it? And I think normally it's build as being a distraction of, you know, what, what you want to win, but... You know, I think we are quite lucky that I think we'll, we'll take any of them obviously the FA Cup would be the worst one if we didn't win the others but obviously no one's going to say no to it if we come second in both the other competitions but I think it's a good distraction to have because no one will be thinking about City while we're playing Inter it's all about that and then the focus shifts again to the league and then when we're in the FA Cup playing Nottingham Forest or and it's going to be the same again we're not going to be worried about the league it's all about just trying to win each competition and it's probably a good way for them all to mentally refresh and used to squad players and you know if they play you see what the Carabao Cup final was like you know when you've got five subs in the other competitions that we don't have in the prep it gives them all a good chance and they're all just going to be desperate to play any minutes and we know what happens Barca in the semi-final when we we had no Salad and no Firmino a few years ago they all just need to be ready and the best way for them to do that is playing games and we've definitely got a lot of them coming up so you know It'd be amazing if we went all four. Everyone's kind a of bit excited. There's a long way to go, but there's no reason why we can't. That's the reason we're getting excited because it could really happen. So it's just about giving everyone a chance, keep mixing it up, and hopefully just keep getting the wins. And fingers crossed, we'll see how many trophies we got from the start of June. No, absolutely. I mean, the stars for the most part, seem to have
0: aligned in terms of various factors that have gone against us in prior seasons, injuries being a big one. You know, we look at sort of Liverpool squad now, and obviously there's been some major quality additions um, in recent years. The likes of Jota, the likes of Thiago, most recently, Louis Diaz, who's absolutely excelled since moving mid-season from FC pool So now you've got people sort of looking at the squad um, without the injuries and in going, actually, actually, Liverpool do have a really good squad, perhaps not to the same extent as City, but we're not competing on a a level playing field when it comes to resources. Um, So with that in mind, it's rather impressive. Um, But sort of looking at the potential team Klopp can play, Doug, um, it was quite a full-strength team up against uh, West Ham. Do you sort of see that starting again against Inter, Klopp going with a few changes?
1: It could go for a few changes. I mean, I think... I think he said that everyone's almost available. I think Matip, Firmino, and Thiago are back in training, which is massive as well. So you know, um, obviously Firmino was the the game changer when he came on against Inter Milan a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, and I think I think you'll I think you'll probably start from the bench, but I think it'll be pretty pretty much similar to the uh, to the game uh, the, the other the other week uh, against West Ham. I think it'll be. I could probably see... I, I think Ali will definitely start. I think there'll be Trent. The quest mark over Kanate or Matip. You know, Matip's... Matip probably comes straight back in. That um, day, Robertson. I think, think midfield would be interesting. I think we could probably see Fabinho. I think Henderson will play. I think Henderson's a big, big game player for us anyway. Um, has Kea done enough to warrant a start? Yeah, I think he has. I think he has. I'd keep the same midfield. And then probably... I think it'll be the same again. Probably uh, Diaz, Mane, and uh, Mo-, Mo Salah. Um, and I, I hate people the fact that they're they're going in at, on it more. Who didn't have a very good game against West Ham, but I feel like expect them to bounce back, and I, I feel like expect them to maybe score on the on on tomo- uh, tomorrow. It's
0: the benefit of having that forward line, though. You know, we always say we don't need mm-hmm. all three to score um, at once, game per game. The beauty of it is that you know, if one of the likes of Salah or Mane or Diaz. Doesn't score. One of the others will. Um, that, that's the benefit of having a world class forward line. Never mind then the options that you have then on the bench. You know the likes of Jota, the likes of Firmino, as you brightly pointed out, was an absolute game changer when he came in on against uh, Inter Milan at the San Siro. Um, how about you, Pete? Do, can you see any surprises there? Would you reckon it's going to be uh, pretty predictable?
2: I think Hendo played a lot of the last couple of games. I think it's possible he could be rested. and I, I don't think he'd put Joe Matip straight back in just because we know what, what he's like and it's better protect protecting them. But I do think he'll go pretty much full strength. It's hard to know who he might drop. And maybe Jota might get a start as well because he's been back in fitness and we've had the same three for a couple of games. But it's not going to be weak at all. And you know, as we said, we've got five subs in there, haven't we? So, you know, ideal Wales we can we can use all five in at half time with 5-0 up so that'd be, that'd be the best way to do it so we'll um, see what happens but you know maybe Simakas as well maybe in a sneaking chance how confident Klopp is it depends but you know yeah it's got to be a strong team and I think as long as we've got Van Dijk Fabinho and Salah I think you can probably rotate the people around them and we, we should be okay with Brighton coming up on Saturday we just need to come make sure we win both games and Plop on the how to manage that, and it's just by getting the right amount of minutes into everyone's legs, and hopefully Tiago and, and Bobby will be back not too long after that. So yeah, fingers crossed. We'll have a full-strength team for as many games as possible.
0: Absolutely. And with that one-nil
2: win against West Ham, we've got
0: one hell of a you know, piece of momentum behind us going into the rest of the season, which will hopefully be of advantage. Uh, while I've got you, it is time, of course, for the score. Predictions Now you've gone big um, A few times recently But are you
2: are you feeling A bit more measured Or are you, are you just going to Stick to your guns And you're going to go for A big win at Anfield It all depends on the first goal I think you know, I can't predict the future That way But I think <laughs> gonna, I am going to Predict the future And say that we're going to Score early um, Kill them And I, I don't think It's going to be loads Because I think we're going to Take a lot of them off Well, I'll say 3-0 and it'll be a convincing a 5-0 in aggregate so I've still got to be high numbers in there somewhere where yeah, 3-0 and we'll all be laughing off to the pub after the match that sounds good to me
1: how, how about you Doug I'm going to go 2-0 I think I think it will be, be I think we get an early goal I think we'll be able to see them off and I think we'll get another early win in the second half to kill it off I'm going 2-0
0: Oh, you, you, you always make it difficult for me. I, I really, I genuinely, I can't see them scoring at the Anfield, but you know, just for the sake of offering something different, I'll, I'll go for a free one. You know, Martinez will, will get one. I mean, he looked a bit sort of uh, scared of Van Dijk at the, the Sands zero. So I'm hoping for a <laughs> of that again today. Uh, not today, sorry, um, against Inter Milan. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. Doug, before we send you off on your merry way, um, anything you'd like to sort of share, anything exciting projects coming up you'd like to tell the fans?
1: Um, I don't have anything really exciting coming up but uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to join you and uh, Pete for the the first time and uh, hopefully uh, many more uh, appearances uh, hopefully as well but no thank you very much for having me I, I, I really enjoyed it thanks
0: no you're more than welcome you're more than welcome it's been nice having you on and well that's been us for today we'll be hoping for another big win against Inter Milan to see us through to the quarterfinals and keep that dream of a quadruple going for now, it has been Peter Kenny-Jones. We've had Doug Horn from the Dugout Football channel. And of course, Rick has been working hard behind the scenes in a producing role. And I've been your host, Farrell Keeling. Thanks for now. We've been the Red Nets.
3: Thanks, Farrell. And before we go, uh, we've actually got a little bonus for you. Uh, a lot's been going on behind the scenes at the club. Klopp gave fans a, a glimmer of hope that he may extend his contract. But since then, of course, he's, he's backtracked a little bit. Uh, But that didn't stop Farrell from asking Stan Collymore whether he felt that it was likely to happen in the near future. There's also plenty of praise for Takumi Minamino following his FA Cup double over Norwich City. And unfortunately, the European Super League has reared its ugly head once more. So for now, I'm handing it back over to Farrell and Stan.
0: Hi Stan, welcome back uh, to the Red Nets podcast. Thanks for coming on again. Um, I mean, we're just going to kick off with the the Norwich win really, and I specifically want to focus firstly on Taki Minamino because he's been absolutely outstanding this season um, as a squad player. He's been outscoring Messi, albeit a lot of the goals are coming in the Cups. Um, I mean, from your point of view, is he massively underrated?
4: Yeah, I mean, I was, I was one actually wrote in my Mirror column that I wondered if he'd be surplus to requirements at the end of the season. And, uh, and, and the reason why I say that isn't because, you know, like Divock Origi, like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, like uh, Jordan Shakiri in the past, um, that they're not playing week in and week out. Therefore, if they're not getting into the first time on a regular basis, they're not good enough. And if they're not good enough, then by implication, are there better alternatives? Um, but you only have to see the way that Jurgen Klopp works with players that are not playing week in and week out and that do come in and play in the cup competitions and how well that they add. Um it's a real quandary because the argument is would an Arigi, would a Ox, would a Minamino play regularly and contribute regularly at the level required for Liverpool to win Champions League trophies or League Cups or um most importantly the league. Um, if they had injuries or suspensions for a period of time. And I think that's a valid question moving forward, Um, which then begs the question, are there upgrades available? We always say, are there upgrades? What do Liverpool need in the next transfer window? But in terms of what he's actually doing when he's called upon, it's remarkable, but it's no more remarkable, you know, playing the Champions League final and scoring and um, and, and mostly coming on and, and adding to the team. Ox having his little purple spell. I think this is just as much about the team spirit that the likes of Millie, um, the likes of Jordan, the the senior players um, make, that it it is about a player's individual ability. So from my perspective, absolutely exceptional um, what he's doing at the moment. But the question remains, is Liverpool's bench strong enough for a, to win the title this season and in, and in seasons to come. So it's twin track. That no. is getting in the team and doing well versus are they good enough should Liverpool have any injuries and suspensions longer term?
0: Sorry, if I could I just interrupt you there, Stan? Um, you mentioned about sort of upgrades and sort of one... Um, a yeah. position that's going to be particularly difficult to deal with would be, of course, Jurgen Klopp, once his contract expires in 2024. And prior to the game, um, he was asked about his future and gave a sort of ambiguous um, answer, which has given a lot of fans hope for his future. I mean, yeah. do you see him sort of changing his mind and committing beyond 2024?
4: No, I mean, look at the jobs that potentially, I would imagine that, that, that clubs would be looking at him, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, PSG. I think when you've been to Liverpool, with the greatest respect to PSG, they just don't have the, the, the history or the, the significance, the clout, that you feel from the cop, you feel from the trophy war. Bayern would obviously be very interested to him, despite the fact that he's been a Borussia Dortmund manager. Ultimately, when you've had a period of time between managing one and going to another FC Hollywood in his own country, I'm absolutely sure that from a guy that was a sort of pundit at, at World Cups in years gone by. I remember going to Germany and seeing Jurgen Klopp as a pundit on German TV uh, in his Mainz days, um, maybe even before that, that to manage the club in his own home, home country that is the biggest, that just, let's be perfectly honest, every two or three years ch- challenge for a Champions League final would be of interest. But I don't think that job's coming up anytime soon. German national job, no, he's too young. Real Madrid and Barcelona at the moment, financial basket cases, why, why go? He's not going to go to a Man City. He's not going to go to a Chelsea. He's not going to go to a Man United. Stay where you are, Jürgen. Build something special. Try and get more money, more guarantees of, of even better players that would be in the market for the Mbappes, be in the market for uh, the Harlands. And if they do that, Liverpool can, can be the Liverpool that I knew growing up as a kid almost guaranteed every single season um, to win the biggest trophies domestically and abroad. Stay where you are, Jürgen.
0: Absolutely. And and just on, you know, while while we're away from the football, um, because we've seen the ESL talk has, again, uh, inevitably resurfaced. Um, There's been some sort of proposed changes in the initial structure. So rather than sort of tearing domestic teams away from their leagues, it's going to be a similar sort of structure to what UEFA are proposing in terms of uh, teams qualifying uh, for the Super League based on their domestic league finishes. I mean, how do the proposals sound to you? Is it interesting at all or is it just sort of, you know, bad eggs compared with bad eggs?
4: Yeah, I just think they're, I just think they're, 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 they're malcontent. Bad actors, you just said they're bad eggs. I think that it's driven primarily by clubs that got themselves into a massive financial black hole. They have done a deal... If we believe what we read with, you know, some of the big banks, some of the big, big investment companies, which will automatically wipe off a lot of that debt within season one and season two. And then lo and behold, there can be just money making machines. Um, I do still believe in the UEFA and FIFA system, albeit both UEFA and FIFA need massive overhauls in terms of their governance. I think we've seen that recently with Infantino, that of course was a, a, a UEFA man before he went on to FIFA, and their fudging of political issues. Uh, I'm all for clubs getting their brand value and their brand worth in UEFA club competitions, but just constantly expanding to leagues and what have you, which will eventually mean that a club like Liverpool will be playing, you know, if it, if it continues in 20 years' time, we could have as many. Uh, Champions League league games as you are Premier League games. That fundamentally destroys the fabric of domestic leagues, which I'm completely against, completely um, would, would push against. So for me, the, uh, the, the European Super League is a non-starter. It won't have any traction with the English clubs. We saw the reaction that primarily came from English fans, uh, even Chelsea fans, Even Chelsea fans were on the streets going no to the European Super League uh, outside Stamford Bridge. Shows the strength of feeling uh, on our little island. Um, Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid may have a pipe dream that they feel it can uh, happen. But let's be perfectly honest, without 12, 15, 20 clubs that are prepared to do it, and without a chunk of them, maybe even half of them being from England, It's an absolute non-starter. No to the European Super League, yes to uh, a a complete overhaul of UEFA governance and an overhaul of the Champions League, which would make it make money, but also make sense.
3: Thanks to Stan Collymore and Farrell Keeling there. Uh, Before we go, just a quick reminder that if you enjoyed this podcast, you can watch it in video form over on the Empire of the Cop YouTube channel, which we've just set up. Uh, We'll also have press conference coverage, training footage, and a lot more. So join us over there next time if you fancy seeing our lovely faces. But until next time, bye for now.